All right, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. We're here the Sunday after Easter. Spring has sprung. Despite the a recent uptick in general, COVID seems to be waning and life feels like it's getting back to normal. Maybe, hopefully. <laughs> and as I think about where I am in light of that, um, where we are in light of that and where I am in light of that, I find myself asking two questions. First, how do we move forward? We could maybe put the first slide up. Um, somewhere there's some notes that have the slide. Uh, you've got, yeah, you got those, okay. How do we move forward? How do we as CBC get back to normal? Or, or maybe better, what is the new normal that we want to step into? Things are not going back to just like they were in February of 2020. A lot has happened since then. We have lost people we loved. We have battled loneliness and discouragement, stress, Zoom fatigue. We have been stretched. We have been separated from one another. And life has continued to happen to us in various ways. We're at a different place than we were a couple years ago. Meanwhile, as a church, we've experimented with new ways of being the church. We've made adjustments. We've tried things we never imagined that we would try. And in the midst of it all, we've come together as family, we've cared for one another, we've reached out together. And so now what? How do we move forward? That's my first question. My second is, how do we do this? How do we move forward in light of Easter, in light of all that we celebrated last Sunday? How do we move forward in light of the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was put to death? tasted death, experienced death, and then conquered and defeated death and entered into the eternal life, the new life on the other side. How do we move forward in light of the fact that Jesus Christ then ascended to heaven and poured out God's spirit on all of us who follow him, infusing us with that new life, that new reality of God's power, God's love, God's presence with us to change us, to transform us, to empower us, to fill us up and make us alive like never before. What does all of that mean for us? And what does it mean for us in April of 2022 as we seek to move forward as a church after two very challenging years? As I've been praying about and processing those two questions, I began to realize that Acts chapter 2 can help us answer these questions, particularly verses 42 to 47. They're famous verses, they're favorite verses to many, because they describe the birth of the first community of Jesus followers. When in her youth, she was vital, she was compelling and vibrant and attractive. And so ever since, followers of Jesus have said, we want to be like that too. We want to be an Acts 2 kind of church. And so I'd like to take the next four or five weeks and let this picture of Acts 2, or this picture in Acts 2, I'd like to let it do its work on us. 
to give us fresh vision, fresh encouragement, and fresh direction. Like a warm pool of sunshine on a cold, damp day, let it warm our hearts, encourage our perspectives, lift our eyes to new possibilities, and make us hungry for what can be. All right, so let's dig in. Our passage begins this morning with, they were, or sorry, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. The early community of Jesus' followers devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Why? Why did they devote themselves? Why were they so devoted? Well, how could they not be? <laughs> they had just experienced within the past six weeks the most amazing things. They had experienced their leader, their teacher, their king, their Messiah being snatched away from them and tortured to death in the most cruel way. This had crushed them. It had crushed their hopes, their hearts, crushed their understanding of what following Jesus had been about. But then three days later, against all their expectations, against everything they had thought was possible, Jesus was somehow alive again. Resurrected, not come back from death to live a longer human life only to die later again, but rather gone through death to the eternal life, the new life on the other side. The resurrected Jesus explained to them that he had defeated death, he had defeated darkness, and God was installing him as the victorious king of all, a king of love and peace, and he would include them, his followers, in his victory and in his new life. One way he would do this would be by pouring out his spirit on them to fill them with this new life that he was now enjoying. To fill them with joy, to fill them with love, to fill them with power, to fill them with himself. How could they not be devoted to him after experiencing all that? But notice also how they express this devotion. They don't direct their devotion to an institution or a religion or to an organization. Rather, they devote themselves to four things. And Luke, the author of this book of Acts, lists the four things in verse 42, and then he describes them in more detail in verses 43 to 47. So first, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to learning more about Jesus. Not all of them had experienced everything Jesus had done or heard or understood, all that he had taught, and they wanted to, to know him better. So they devoted themselves to the teaching of those who knew him best. Then second, they devoted themselves to fellowship. And, and fellowship is actually in English an unhelpful transformation, as we're going to see. The Greek word is koinonia, and it means a common life, a, a sharing together, or a partnership. And as Luke describes it, we see that this means they're sharing their possessions, they're sharing their time, they're sharing meals, they're sharing life together. They are a tight-knit community, a new family committed to one another. And then third, they devote themselves to the breaking of bread. That goes with family, right? Meals, eating together, 
And as they eat together, no doubt they're remembering Jesus and the meals they'd enjoyed with him. And above all, they celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion, sometimes called, when they eat bread and they drink a cup to remember Jesus' death until he comes back. And then fourth, they devote themselves to prayer, or literally it's plural, the prayers. We'll talk about that more in a few weeks. Okay, step back from all of that. What are they devoted to? Well, the Jesus party has begun, and they're devoted to being a part of it. Learning about Jesus, being a spiritual family together, sharing, doing life together, eating together, celebrating, remembering, praying to Jesus, talking to him. Jesus has gone through death, defeated death and darkness, and entered the life on the other side, the heavenly life, the new creation life, and Jesus is bringing that future life back into the present and through the Holy Spirit, enabling his followers to begin to live and to enjoy that future life now. That's what church is supposed to be. Another way to put it is this. Jesus has brought heaven down to earth. Heaven is where God is, right? Heaven is where all is as it should be, as we long for it to be and sense it should be. Heaven is where there is joy and celebration, no more suffering, no more brokenness, only love and wholeness and goodness. And Jesus has brought heaven down to earth so his followers can begin to enjoy that future life with him now. Wow. No wonder they were devoted. How about us? Do we realize how much Jesus accomplished when he died and rose again? Do we have any idea what's available to us when Jesus offers us his Holy Spirit? Have you ever been part of a group of, of followers of Jesus? We just watched the, the Urbana video. A, a group of followers of Jesus who were open to and hungry for the Holy Spirit, who sought to rely on Him and to yield to Him and ask for more of Him. I have. Several times I've been part of groups like that. A group of college students in college. A, a group of missionaries when I lived in Budapest. A group of Christian teachers and trainers in Myrtle Beach. And those groups along the way have been transformative in my life. Their warmth, their vitality, pulsing with, with spiritual life and joy and love and energy. Those were experiences of God's presence and God's love and the change God makes as, as He makes us more like we need to be. To, to be close to Him and to be part of the heaven He's bringing down to earth without us messing it up. We've got to change. We've got to be remade so we can live in sync with the new reality. As Luke describes it here in, in, his, uh, in this Acts 2 community, everyone was filled with awe. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Would you like to be a part of a group like that? Well, you, we, you can't manufacture it. You, we can't make it happen. But we can do the one thing we have control over, and that is whether we're devoted. 
whether we are devoted to Jesus by devoting ourselves to the four things Luke describes here, the apostles' ministry, koinonia, breaking bread together, and the prayers. So let's focus in now this morning. We'll look at these over the coming weeks, but let's focus in on the apostles' ministry. In, in verse 42, Luke says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then in verse 43, he adds, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So the apostles taught, and then the apostles performed signs and wonders. Just like Jesus, right? Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven. And then he did signs and wonders, which showed, which demonstrated, which brought into being the reality of the kingdom of heaven. And now Jesus' apostles, those Jesus had called to be alongside of him, who he had trained and mentored, they're carrying on what, Jesus, what they saw Jesus do and what Jesus taught them to do. They're teaching about, and they are demonstrating the kingdom of heaven that Jesus came to bring. So what do the apostles teach? Well, interestingly, Luke doesn't elaborate. The only thing he describes further is the miracles the apostles do. But let's think about this. What would you teach if you had just spent three years with Jesus? If you'd seen all the miracles he had done and, and that he taught you to do as well. If, um, if your world had been rocked as you'd heard things like the Sermon on the Mount, as you'd learned Jesus' counterintuitive way of, of servanthood, of turning the world upside down, which is really turning it right side up. And then you'd seen Jesus model it as he surrendered his life to his enemies, eventually even on a cross, loving them, asking God to forgive them, even to the end. And then you begin to realize that Jesus had died for those enemies and had died for you so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you could have a new beginning and a fresh start. And finally, you saw Jesus rise again and Jesus told you it was all in fulfillment of the Scriptures. What would you teach? I'll tell you what I'd teach. I'd teach about Jesus. I'd tell stories about Jesus, what I'd seen and experienced, of what he'd done, of what he was like, of what he taught, of, of who he was and why he came, and what it means for us, and that he calls us to follow him. And then I do what he taught me to do. I demonstrate that Jesus really was bringing heaven to earth, that he really was bringing the life of the future than now. Because when heaven comes to earth, when the future comes to the present, things start to become how they should be. Jesus called it the kingdom of heaven. And when it comes, people get set free. People get made whole. People get healed. And so, I deliver people from the dark forces that oppress them in Jesus' name. And I'd heal people of what made them broken and, and what um, oppressed them in Jesus' name. And this is just what the apostles do. They tell what Jesus had done, and then they do it. Show and tell. 
And miracles happen, and people are healed and set free by the living Jesus, just like Jesus had done himself. And everyone is in awe, and they're amazed. And the powerful and wonderful ways God is working adds up to joy and wonder and vitality in this community. And of course, it attracts more people. Just think about it. If you go home after experiencing all that, your heart swelled with excitement at how real God is and and at how Jesus is alive and active and your heart's full of the amazing things that God is doing and you go home and you tell your neighbors. You're never going to believe what's going on over there amongst that gathering of people who, who follow Jesus. Here's what I saw. Let me tell you what I heard. Here's what Jesus did for me. Come check it out with me if you want. Or or let me tell you more about it. I'll pray for you right now in Jesus' name. I'll tell you the stories about Jesus, who He is and why He came. Can you see that happening? That's just what's happening in Acts 2. The Jesus movement is growing. And it's been happening ever since. All around the world. All through the centuries. As people have gotten to know Jesus discovered he's real, he's alive, and have gotten to know him personally and experienced his Holy Spirit filling them up. And so a question for us, if we as CBC would like to be even more like that than we have been so far, how or what can we do? What can we do? How can we be more like this Acts 2 church? Well, the first thing we can do, like them, is be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Devoted to reading, studying, meditating on, living out, and putting into practice the apostles' teaching, which comes to us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the rest of the New Testament. And along with this, we can pray that Jesus would do signs and wonders. That Jesus, who who told his first followers, and this statement rocks me every time I hear it, in John 14, starting in verse 12, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I'll do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. And so we thought we'd devote the end of the service today to asking. Asking Jesus to bring more of heaven to earth. Asking Jesus to set us free from the things that are holding us back or tripping us up. Asking Jesus to heal us from the ways that we're not whole, from the ways we're struggling and suffering. Before we do, let me say a few things by way of preparation, though. Um, Let me ask you four questions by way of preparation. First, do you need healing for anything? You know, Jesus doesn't just heal sick bodies, he heals hearts. He heals emotions. He heals relationships. Do you need healing 
for anything. You know, some of you in the past have had joint replacement surgery, hips, knees. Uh, one or two of you have told me along the way when you were getting that surgery, you know, I should have done it years ago. <laughs> but, but you didn't. You lived with it. But what, what you discovered was that um, what, this is what happens when part of your body isn't right. The rest of your body has to make adjustments and accommodations. And so you walk with a limp or whatever. And over time, as you're learning to walk in an adjusted way, in a way your body wasn't designed to walk, um, because part of your body is hurting, that can take a toll on other parts of your body, on another joint, or on your back, or whatever. And you get by, but you're not functioning at full capacity, and maybe slowly you're doing damage to other parts of yourself without even realizing it. And this can be true not only with our physical bodies, but with our hearts and with our emotions. Some of us have gone through really tough things. We, we've been hurt. We've been betrayed or neglected. We've lost something or someone really dear to us. We've experienced trauma. We've been abused or victimized. And it left a wound. And the wound never fully healed. But we found a way to pick ourselves up and to go on. We were strong. But the truth is, we've been walking with a limp ever since. We're not functioning at full capacity. We're not whole. We're not healthy inside. And we're maybe slowly doing damage to other parts of our hearts or ourselves or to some of our relationships with other people around us. Because of all we've gone through and, and the adjustments we've, we've made and internally to, to cope and to function, we're not able to love other people the way God wants us to. If that's happened to you, God wants to heal you. Jesus wants to make you whole. You need healing so that you can know peace and rest. So that you can be more fruitful in your life. And so that you can love other people better. But there's a second question that I want to ask. Do you want healing. Remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus meets a paralyzed man by the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus asks a brilliant question. Do you want to get well? Strange question, right? This guy's been paralyzed for years, but the truth is not everyone wants to get well. Maybe how things are is working for them. And getting healed can be disruptive. It can force you to make changes. And if it's emotional healing, it can mean dealing with some painful stuff you've tried so long and hard to forget. So do you really want to be whole? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want more of heaven and more of God's new and future reality to take place in or would you rather just get by with the way things are? 
Third question. Do you want to know the root cause of your symptoms? Right? One time when um, my wife Anne was in her 20s, she would occasionally be holding a, a pen or a coffee cup, and she'd just drop it for no apparent reason. Like she couldn't help it. She'd, she'd just lose the strength in her hand. And this was obviously a bit disturbing, so she got tested for carpal tunnel, for hand problems. She saw a neurologist, all these things, and they couldn't find anything. So she just lived with it. Until one time, she's telling her cousin about it, who's a physical therapist, and the cousin starts touching her hands and feeling her arms and said, oh, you hold tension up here in your forearm. Um, you know, when it's, it's affecting your hand. So when it's bothering you, massage your forearm, get it loosened up, and your hand problem will probably go away. And, and it did. <laughs> she hasn't had a problem since. The problem was up here. Do we know the root cause of what we need to be healed from? Are we willing to ask Jesus to show us and then to apply the healing to the root? Because Jesus is a really good doctor. And a good doctor doesn't just treat symptoms. A good doctor goes to the root of the disease. And sometimes we don't know what the root is. We need a good doctor or a good physical therapist to show us. <laughs> so if you're asking for healing for a symptom, whether it's emotional or physical or relational, it may be that the answer to that healing won't come where you expect it to come. It may be that the great physician knows something else needs to be healed first before the symptoms can begin to be addressed. And then fourth question, are you committed to the healing process? Sometimes healing is instantaneous. Often it's a process. Right? Any medical doctor will, will tell you this. Healing can take time, and it may require something of you as the patient. Ask anyone who's had heart surgery or, or a heart procedure. You have to change your diet, right? <laughs> Fred's like, yep. <laughs> you have to change your exercise habits. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Getting and staying healthy is a responsibility that no one else can do for, for you. You have to choose to do it yourself. And when Jesus heals you, depending on the root cause, depending on what it is we need healing from, there may be work involved for us. Going back to the example of the paralyzed man by the, the pool of Bethesda, what did Jesus tell him afterwards? Jesus went and found him. See, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. This was the great physician saying, you want to stay healthy? Do you want to keep living in the new reality of the kingdom of heaven, of more of heaven coming down and breaking into your life? Then change to live in keeping with the new healing, that new reality. Stop sinning. That was the doctor's follow-up plan in the case of that particular patient. For others of us, it may not be sin always, it might be a bad habit we have to change. 
It might be exercise or, or new disciplines we need to do, spiritual, physical, or otherwise. It might be a new way of relating to others, a new way of thinking that we have to get used to and start practicing. It might be some other kind of follow-up work or therapy that we need for that healing process to take place. Are you committed to the healing process? All right, we're going to take time now to ask, to ask Jesus to give us more of the heaven that he came down to bring. For more of the amazing future when all things are made new. The future that Jesus came to pull back into the present. So we're going to ask for healing. And there's two ways that we want to invite you to do that. Um, the band can come up now, and those who... Um, are going to be praying, who we've talked to. Come on up. Um, you can take your slip of paper and you can write something that you would like prayer for. It might be for yourself. It might be for someone close to you. And um, write it down. You could put your name or not as you're most comfortable with. And those of us who will be praying, so Maria and Barbara and I think Wanda, um, we're going to take these and split them up afterwards and take them home and pray for them. But we also, as you come up, want to invite you, we would just be thrilled to pray for you on the spot. We were actually going to take that first row out. Maybe we could push the first row back. Just to create a little more room. Um, we would love to just pray with you and for you, whether it's for yourself or someone close to you. So feel free just to grab one or two of us and we'll pray for you. We're going to take some time to, to sing. You can bring your prayer requests up. Um, yeah, the basket is right there. Um, if, if you can't come to the front, um, feel free to wave, and we'll come back to you, and we'll pray for you as your seat as well. So we're just going to take some time. Let me, let me start us with prayer, and then I'll turn it over to the, the musicians, and then you can come as you're ready to ask for healing in one of those two ways.